you are listening to episode 55 of the Playing Full Out podcast with Rita Highland. Hello, I'm Rita Highland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Hey there, friends. Since we're in that month dedicated to love and romantic relationships, I thought it was a good time to speak to today's topic of fortifying and building resilient relationships, especially since our relationships are undergoing such a different experience than they have in the past, and many are being tested in light of the pandemic. To me, it's like we spent years building a house to withstand conditions in the Midwest, but then all of a sudden we're asked that the house endure really extreme conditions like that in a different part of the country or even on the moon. And the house just wasn't built for that, right? It's just like, that's sort of like it is with our relationships that we're they're facing right now. If we liken the relationship to a building, we weren't built to be with each other every day. We weren't built to have our offspring with us every single day. We weren't built to have no alone time or not be able to socialize or be within the same four walls. And that does something different. It tests the relationship in a different way. So our infrastructures are being tested. Sometimes they might experience a leak. Sometimes they might experience a blown out window on work stream days, I'm going to share some things to fortify the infrastructure as well as a method that I use in my relationships when struggles, strains, maybe in the form of disagreements or triggers arise, which will happen. I'm sharing my relationship issues clearing model today that I have designed and I've refined. It's based on plenty of personal experience and a lot of professional experience as well. And to put it into context, I'm actually going to share a recent personal story in my relationship and how we navigated that to make the relationship stronger. But before that, I want to share what I learned from a different group on relationships. Those are my clients. See, for as long as I have been coaching, one of the things people consistently tell me and that initially really surprised me was that their relationships have improved while they are working on themselves. In fact, several times each year, I still receive emails and handwritten letters from spouses I've never met who say, I don't know what you're doing with my spouse, but thank you. Our relationship has never been better. And that happens all of the time, whether I get the letters from the my client's spouses or they report back to me. It is very rare that someone doesn't say that their relationship is improving. So I decided to ask my clients directly why that is and what they attribute to enhancing their most intimate and important relationships. And what they all had in common, whether I was 
getting the written feedback or the verbal feedback that I'd requested over the past month for you is that when they take care of themselves, they are better for others. That's what it, most all of them said. When I take care of me, I am better for my, for others. When I improve and transform myself, everything outside starts getting better. And that includes my relationship with my spouse. One client more specifically wrote, when I'm selfish, I can give more to others. As a leader, he traditionally had always been in the space of giving, giving to himself, giving to those who, giving rather to others, giving to those who leads, giving to his people at home. He also saw though how that was making him judgmental and irritable and not truly present. And it seems counterintuitive that when we give more to ourselves, that we're going to be able to be better for others. But it's true because we can't give what we don't have. In other words, what they are all saying is self-care is not selfish. It's the most responsible thing that we can do for ourselves and others. And what my clients are always most surprised by is that their relationship improved and enhanced, and they didn't feel like they actually worked hard on it. Problems found solutions. Things that once bothered them no longer bothered them. But here's that amazing part. It did, they did so without them working or fixing the situations directly. That is what transformation from the inside out really means. When you take care of you, your outside world positively reflects that change. And that can't help but include your relationships. This is why who you're being matters so much more than what you're doing. The doing takes care of itself when you're being your best self. Growing and working and caring and investing in you is the single most important way to build resilient relationships. It always has been. It's always been exceedingly important, but never more so than right now. And there has never been, in my opinion, a better time to access external sources and resources for your own growth and health. The services are being performed virtually. There are no barriers in geography. There's no barriers to in time. There are lower price points of entry, you know, whether that's when, if you're trying to meet with, well, anything at this point, you know, and what's understood is that when you're happy, you're more confident. And when you're more confident, you are in love with you. And then you can be in love with others. You see how that works? So how do we actually take care of ourselves? There are a myriad of ways. Many of them are personal to the individual. You have to identify what fills you, what, what, where you are being and playing at your best. For me, exercise, silence, and space are scheduled into my day every day as a routine so that I can fill my tank. And there's specifics within that, but I'm not, that's not what we're going to go to in this specific podcast. But ideas include designing your day, taking, that means taking ownership of, of the structure of your day, delegating and not being a do it all, scheduling downtime. Silence is an absolute must for the brain. It has to disengage at some point. Fourth thing I would say is get a coach or some external resource dedicated solely to you. I can't be more specific than that. Again, the bottom line here is that self-care is not selfish. It's responsible and it is a must. 
So let's say that you have done all these things. You've got your coach, you're delegating your days, you're designing your day, you are on your best game. You're showing up at your highest and best self. You fortified yourself so that your relationships are better to withstand the winds of the pandemic. It doesn't mean that high winds will not strike. There will be times when there are issues in our romantic relationships. They are bound to happen because we're not all the same people. We don't think the same way. We don't do the same things. Thank the goodness, right? We wouldn't want it to be that way either. We also need to remember that our relationships are here to help us evolve, right? If they didn't itch us in some way, then like a pearl, they would, they would, we wouldn't be allowed to show up to be a pearl. The pearl is a pearl because it's itched within the oyster. And so that it, it starts to get its shine. That's the same with us. We are supported in our relationships to grow. And that means that we don't have to be attached to them always looking pretty. But being able to expand and grow, and that requires obviously being resilient in a moment of difficulty. Okay, so how do we do that when things get sticky? And when we don't agree, when there is judgment, when there is disagreement, Our habit is to focus on what's not working on the outside and to try to fix it. We all know we can't change another person, but we do try, right? The only person we really can change and have power over is ourself, but it's really easy. Ooh, is it easy? Especially when we've just spent too much time with each other to blame others when things in our relationships aren't working. Unfortunately, when we do this, we miss out on seeing solutions, right? We get blindsided. Self-awareness and self-care is the antidote in these cases, which is what we discussed earlier. But like we just said, we will get triggered. And I recently did with my husband. He and I disagreed on how we were approaching our parenting, which is usually whenever we have an issue, as we'll call them for the sake of the relationship issues clearing method that I'm going to describe to you is that it usually revolves. This is our thing that we have a disagreement in how we parent. Have you ever noticed that when you're triggered by someone that it is often because of one of two things, they are judging you. Yeah. You're triggered because they're judging you. They, they are saying what you think or do is not accurate. Good. Right. And then what happens is that because they're judging you, you go and judge them back. And that means game on, right? So judgment and and triggers really are a result of you judging someone and then them judging you back, or they start the judgment and then it goes back and forth. So what we have to understand is the first step in this is that someone has to catch the judgment ball. Because that's where all of the anger starts to begin. It's sort of like this. Human beings inherently see judgment as a threat. It's like a sleeping dog that gets awakened at night. You know, a, a dog, a, a noise is heard and the, the dog's ears go up. It's the same like uh, when a human's judged. Their ears go up, their antenna goes up. And that noise or judgment for the human being is interpreted as a threat and the dog takes the defensive position, right? He's going to get on guard. And that's the same thing that humans do, especially when they're coming from the place of, you know, fight or flight. It's our amygdala. We are, we are viewing it as a threat. 
So this issue my husband and I had, I decided, you know, it needed some space. It'd been going on for some time. We were just having this disagreement, but it was coming to head because something that was happening with my daughter had to be acted upon. And the first thing that I did, because I recognized how heated and how strong the disagreement was, is that I had to catch the anger ball. That means I had to not react. The worst thing that you can do when you or someone's been triggered is to throw back more anger or cast more judgment. We have to avoid making matters worse. Receive, catch the anger ball, catch the judgment ball, and walk away. This is your opportunity to not create permanent damage, right? You know, I remember hearing some analogy made like a, a knife being thrown, little kid throwing a knife into a fence or lots of knives, and then he'd go and he'd pull them out. And he thought that nothing, he, he couldn't see anything, you know? But if you got close up, he could see that there was a slice in the wall. It, it's sort of like the scar when we throw or cast words and we react as opposed to deliberately and consciously respond. Same thing in that, in that way. We can all know that when we are reacting, that we're probably responding from a really low grade thinking, that of the dog, really, you know, a dog's level of thinking. That's not profound. And that does not build our relationship or make them more resilient in the least. So step one, catch the ball. Do not throw it back. Step away. And I will say that sometimes I have to step away for a few days. I mean, I want to clear and release any of the stuff that is my stuff. And a lot of times that is, and you know, I can look at my stuff, but I also, it can be, I just get out what I really want to say <laughs> to him. And so that might be a conversation with myself. It might be downloading on my very good friend to say, okay, this is what's coming up. Because once I get it out, I don't have to go dump it, you know, my low grade thinking on, onto my husband. Step two, know your intention for the communication in advance. So have a vision of how it ends and work from the vision. I, you know, in this specific intention of mine was that I was clear we are going to walk away aligned, seen and heard each other and be at peace with that we have come upon the best decision for our daughter at that point. That was my intention. I could put it into a sentence for him and would share it. And it needs to be shared consistently during the conversation, especially if a conversation or a moment where you're trying to clear something goes haywire. It's like, remember, my intention for having this conversation is that we find the best solution or, or action to support our daughter and that we feel like we are doing the best thing as parents and feel good as a team. Okay. That's step two, know your intention. Step three is find your V frequency. What I mean by that is vulnerability frequency. Vulnerability is power. And when you are vulnerable, sharing your own mistakes or struggles, you show that you're not in judgment of the individual, right? This allows their barking dog to, it's like when the dog's gone and run to the door and is on guard and is barking, you bring the dog back into the room. You bring the person's higher and best self and they realize they don't need to feel that they're threatened. This, you are equalizing yourself. You're not in judgment any longer. You're demonstrating how you're more alike than you are different as well. And then this notifies the other person that they can drop their defenses, right? So, in this case, I 
was very specific and said, you know, I've made mistakes in this area. Let's go through them. This is how this hasn't gone well. And this is what happened to me when I did that. And that way we neutralize, right? So first step, catch the anger ball. Second step, know your intention in advance of getting into an issue and trying to clear it. You can't bring your own, you can't come and dump. You know, it's not about vomiting all your stuff on the person. Do you really set the intention that you're finding a solution by the end of this? Step three, find your V frequency, your vulnerability. Step four, identify what the other person may be worried or concerned or afraid of by asking yourself that question in the advance. What is this person worried, concerned, or afraid of? In this case, I don't even think I had it right. There are times that we can, 90% of the time you can get it right. But if we're still a little bit in our egos, there's a chance that we're so certain that this is the reason that they want this done. You know, if you don't know this, or if you haven't attempted to, to identify what the other person may be worried or concerned or afraid of, why they are in that state that they're in of being triggered, then you need to, to really, um, you need to ask and you need to listen, right? Which are steps that are coming up. But I mean, I had a t- sense that he was a worried that I was judging him and that that made him a bad parent. That was the high level one. Then underneath why he was standing so firm on his position, I, however, wasn't clear and the, what he was concerned about. And I did get clear with step four here, which is I shared my observations. Actually, I reveal the facts as I see them, but I really want you to understand that your facts are really not facts. You know, it's very humbling for our ego to understand this. They are the interpretations of things that we see. Regardless of what we call facts, facts are really interpretations, but we can we can share what we've observed and what we're thinking is best. It's in the next step where I can listen, step five of listen, as Stephen Covey says, seek to understand what is coming up for the other person and how they're thinking. Though it's a skill that is so important, really when they do the, ju- the research on it, we have a very weak skill set around listening. We you know, talk, we talk in our minds, we're seeking to give an answer, we might interrupt, we might um, be planning our next response. So good listening means actively listening and trying to hear what the other person is saying. In the next step, you want to validate, I get you, I understand you, I, I understand what you want, I understand what you're believing, I understand why you're, inter- you're interpreting this this way. I'd feel the same way if I was you. You know, I'm not him, but I'd feel the same way if I was. I get it. So once a person is seen and heard in your relationship, that again allows for another pivotal shift and can not only help clear and and set the stage for being able to address the issue. See, if someone's on guard and defensive and doesn't feel seen or heard or validated and is still feeling judged, you're still dealing with the person at a very remedial level. You both are at a very remedial level because you haven't brought out the best in the other person as a leader. And you're you're setting yourself up for failure. And really all that I'm saying can be in your romantic relationship. It can also be in any other relationship that you're looking at. Once you've validated, another important tip is throughout to show the individual where they are already doing things right. Catch and share what is going right in your relationship. Catch and share what is going right in that specific issue you're speaking to. 
they say that we need to have three positives for every one negative. In the, this case, I said to my husband that he had already, these are the things that he'd already done that showed he understood or that he was almost on board with the direction that we were going. I also said, you're an amazing husband. You're an amazing father. My mother says it daily. Um, she said it this morning. He's like, really? Yes. Are we generous with our compliments? Are we catching things going right? Or as I said before, are we always in the habit of finding what is not working and trying to fix what's broken? We need to be building up chits in the trust jar, in the love jar, so that when we have issues in our relationships, that they're not already depleted, right? They, that, that the other person knows that we already see the best in them. And we ourselves have our attention on that. What we know is that we must communicate because in the absence of communication, relationships deteriorate and they dwindle. And that specifically is because we make up in our minds stuff to fill the absence or the gap of that which we don't have an answer to. Our brain seeks to find an answer If I don't know what's in my husband's head, I'll answer it for myself. And when I'm answering it from usually my amygdala or my reptilian brain, what's happening then is that I'm probably not giving it the best lean or or bend. We don't typically look to say it's because of something positive because when we're feeling threatened, we wanted, we are seeking to further defend ourselves, further make ourselves safe. I would like you to stop right now and imagine for a moment that your relationship is in its ideal state. Do you have a picture of that? Do you even know what your vision is for an ideal relationship with your partner? You know, we can't run into what we don't see and what we haven't first imagined. And maybe that's the best present that could be given during this month of love is to look at and to set a vision of what is a five-star relationship with this individual look like. You'll never run into it if you don't have that picture. Once you answer that, the most important question that brings everything that we've talked about together today, and you may want to grab a pen and write this down because it's that important, is who do I need to be and what do I need to commit to in order to create that ideal relationship. When we are doing it from our own space, when we are changing the only person that we can change ourselves, from that, other people and our external world will show up to reflect it. It can get that simple. So who do you need to be to have that ideal relationship? And what do you need to do to create it? Since you're listening to this, it tells me that you're interested in proving your relationships, your romantic one and beyond. And if you have a really good relationship, a really good life, and you've created some really good things, but you're ready to go beyond what you know and unleash even more, then I encourage you to get on the waiting list that we have on the show notes and to consider an upcoming program that we're creating for fulfilled, bold leaders just like you who are ready to bypass anything that has capped them, that has 
holding, you know, holding them back from remarkable results or including a more vibrant relationship, career impact, whatever that is. You'll find again the link in the show notes. Clients who have worked with me in this capacity and done this say every human being should be taking this. More details will be coming soon. In the meantime, your call to action is to take the time to answer those two questions, your ideal relationship, who you need to be and what you need to do to create it. And then always you'll have your issues clearing model in your back pocket to make your relationship pandemic proof, let's say. Go on, put your sword down this week and share some love. I will talk with you next week. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. 